Welcome or welcome back if you're a regular listener to the On The Spot podcast. Greg Evans here, CEO of Company Watch. We have a cracking start to the year with a new format and some fantastic insights from guests. This is now series three of the podcast and we have no shortage of topics, stories and news to discuss as we dig deep into the companies, the people and their industries, finding out the innovative use of data, analytics, trends and technologies. Each On The Spot episode will see a new guest on the show, so be sure to stay tuned for our excited lineup of episodes. Talking of episodes, I can't wait to start this year off, so it's over to Adam to introduce our first guest of the year. We've seen a reduction of nearly half a million in the small business community. There's so much controversy around fraud and error with the bounce back loan scheme. It's shaping up to be a, a tough year, that's for sure. In the context of public finances, one billion is, is almost nothing. Small businesses are often at the heart of their communities. We do think more needs to be done to incentivize and support small businesses. The business invests just to attract the right talent. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Adam Stones, a data scientist here at Company Watch. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Paul Wilson, Policy Director at the Federation of Small Businesses, to talk about their recent report, Credit Where Credit's Due, about small businesses and the need for external finance for investment and growth. So welcome, welcome to the show, Paul. Delighted Thanks to be here. In. So after graduating from Cambridge with a degree in law, Paul spent 10 years in the civil service, working first at the Department of Business Innovation and Skills then at the Department of Energy and Climate Change, and then finally back to BIS, where he was head of the Advanced Learning Loans team and the Social Mobility Business Compact team. Also during his civil service career, he spent some time in New South Wales, Australia. After leaving the civil service in 2016, he was Director of Public Affairs and Head of Regulatory Affairs at the Law Society until in April 2021, he became Policy Director at the FSB and it's in that capacity that he comes on the show to talk to us today. So uh, absolutely brilliant to have you on the show, Paul. I mean, I've always been interested in small businesses myself. My, my father has run a small business for many years. And, you know, the, the statistics speak for themselves. By 2022 estimates, five and a half million SMEs in the UK. That's 999 out of a thousand businesses, which is which is a staggering number, contributing 2.1 trillion in turnover. and you know, very importantly, 60% of private sector employment. So with that, you represent, you know, a large number of those small businesses at the Federation of Small Business. Um, who are you and, and what do you do? Well, thanks ever so much for having me on the podcast. Um, so the Federation of Small Businesses is a membership body and my part of the organisation really aims to provide a powerful voice for small businesses and the self-employed in Westminster, it's very easy if you work in government, as I used to, to find a big business to talk to about any particular issue. Some of them have their own policy teams, but it's very hard to find a small business to talk to, even though, as you so rightly say, they're over 99% of the business population. So, you know, small business, I'm glad that, you, you know, you're an enthusiast, you, your dad runs a small business. Small business is the lifeblood of the economy. Uh, all businesses start small, yeah. but it's not just about that because not all businesses want to become massive. Small businesses are often at the heart of their communities. They're providing jobs mm -hmm. for their local areas. In fact, if you look back all the way to 2008, 90% of the new jobs coming out of that re recession came from small businesses or indeed in self-employment. And if you think of just your everyday life, the best examples of customer service that you get, they'll often be at a small 
sometimes family-run business. Yeah, I mean, often business, you know, small businesses, they're a way of life for people, aren't they? I mean, one of my dad's mentors always used to say, everybody should run their own small business and then they would know what then they would know what life's about you know and i thought you hear quotes sometimes don't you there's a small business in in everybody and uh yeah you know and 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 it's great i'm sure you know it's great to have you on the show with the work that you do i mean just turning to the report your latest report uh, credit where credit's due you know released at the end of december what was the the thinking and the purpose behind that report why why did you do it why did you write it Well, uh, being able to invest in your business is so crucial, you know, to be able to grow, to become more efficient, become more productive, to better meet your customer needs. So we did the report because we really wanted to understand what investment plans small businesses have and how well the current financing options are working for them. But by way of context, I'm also conscious that we've seen a reduction of nearly half a million in the small business community over the past two years, mostly in the self-employed group actually. So that 5.5 million figure that you started with was 5.9 million two years ago. And so we really need to ensure that finance remains as accessible as it can to the small business community in order to avoid that situation getting worse at, you know, let's be honest, a really difficult time in the economy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, especially with energy prices. I know we'll, we'll talk a bit about that later on. Um, so we're going to break down today's podcast into two main uh, themes. I think to begin with, we're going to focus on the small business finance market. You know, what's the current state of play there? And then we're going to move on and talk a bit about why small businesses want the money. You know, what are they looking to invest in? You know, what what are they going to, to invest in to drive their growth, as, as you say? So um, at the moment, small businesses, you know, we've just come out of a, of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned that, you know, we, we talked before on the podcast about, you know, some of the challenges in the economy and the, the turmoil at the moment. I mean, what's the state of play at the moment? You know, are small businesses ready to take on debt? Is there much appetite there? Well, it is such an unusual time, as you say, coming off the back of the pandemic. And overall debt levels among the SME community are around 20% higher than they were before the pandemic started. And that will largely be due to the number of bounce-back loans that small businesses took out, which were an absolute lifeline. And the subsequent pay-as-you-grow flexibilities have also really been excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it, if you read the press and you watch the news, you know, there's so much controversy around fraud and error with the bounce-back loan scheme. And and I think people are forgetting the importance of that scheme for many businesses. Well, that's absolutely right. And I can say from an FSB member perspective, they have absolutely no sympathy for anyone who did engage in any sort of fraud Mm -hmm. during the bounce back loan scheme or indeed any other policy. And we would very much hope that those cases will be pursued as far as they can. But the scheme did have to be stood up very, very quickly. You know, the situation with the pandemic was developing fast and that small businesses were in real difficulty. So I think it's important not to look back with sort of 2020 hindsight on some of these decisions, which was taken to stand up the scheme quickly and did, to a degree, I suppose, lead to additional levels of fraud and error. But that was probably overall a good risk-based decision Mm -hmm. by the government and saved a heck of a lot of businesses. You can't get everything right, can you? And and actually, you know, it's an incredibly scary time. You know, people's jobs are on the line, people's livelihoods are on the line, you know, and I think that action was necessary. In fact, there was a quote in the report from one of your members you know, and I'll read it out in full. The bounce back loan scheme stopped us going bankrupt. We invested everything into our business and could have lost it all if not for the loan. And there was that real cash crunch, wasn't there, in, in March 2020 when the world, you know, the world was just a different place 
overnight. I mean, but, you know, just going back to the point, what has that COVID debt meant in terms of the in terms of the market and, and small business thinking? Well, it has been subsequently that we've seen a temporary drop off in demand for credit among small businesses. And for some businesses, this will be because they're paying off their loans and so they can't afford or don't want to take on more debt as a result. And there will be others who, you know, maybe in a more fortunate position, they might have taken out a bounce back loan as a precautionary measure or because they saw it as a cheap uh, and relatively easy to get uh, credit. And, you know, they may still have some of that bounce back loan money that they can use instead of applying for finance at what would be much higher interest rates yes, now. Quite, yeah, I mean, for many, for many businesses, it'll be the first time they've ever taken on debt with the with the COVID loan, I expect that that probably weighs on the mind of some some small business owners as well. Right? Um, I mean, in terms of the other side of the market, if you like, in terms of the people who would be providing the finance, the lenders, you know, what what's going on there? There was some talk in the report about, you know, some warning signs harking back to the the two thousand and eight recession. Um, what are your thoughts on that? That's definitely something that we're monitoring closely. And it, it is a worry for us that we saw, you know, lending to smaller businesses dry up in the context of that 2008 mm-hmm. recession. You know, we're not in a recession technically at the moment, but in the really difficult economic times that we currently see, we are very cautious that that shouldn't happen I mean, again. I saw something the other day, you know, half a percent, minus a half a percent or or plus a half a percent, it doesn't really make that much difference on the ground, does it? You know, whether we're technically in recession or not, we're clearly in a difficult economic economic time. Well, this is exactly it. And that's what our quarterly confidence survey tells us. And if you look specifically at applications for finance, what we're currently seeing, so if I go back to the last survey that we published, which was Q3 2022, we saw the success rate for applications for credit down around 46%. Now, that's low, and it's a lot lower than the historical average. So if you just sort of ignore the COVID loans, which were exceptional, historically, the average is around 65%. So we're a lot lower than what we're used to seeing. The rate of rejections is actually, you know, the highest we've seen since 2014. So while the circumstances economically are definitely different in many ways to 2008, we're very nervous of that risk of SME finance drying up. Yeah, and and what does that mean for, you know, the old saying cash is king you know often often you know we'll talk about this a bit later on but often people want to people want to borrow money or businesses want to borrow money not to invest but actually just to serve their working capital needs and that, and that's very important for growth sometimes as well you take on a new customer you know you need some short term finance What's the cash situation looking like across your your membership? Could be better, not particularly healthy. So um, this isn't our data. This is actually ONS data that will show that about 40% of the micro business community, so those with fewer than 10 employees, have less than three months cash available. So that's a large group in quite a sort of vulnerable position. And that, of course, affects investment plans. But another factor leading into that is payment speed so how quickly do other businesses pay you and that's why fsb talks so much about late payments because unfortunately we do see the majority of our members supporting reporting not definitely not supporting reporting (laughs) late payments in the last quarter and as a result of that 46 percent of the applications for finance that we saw were for cash flow reasons not necessarily because they had a specific thing that they wanted to invest in yeah and does that i mean just out of interest, is that, is that does that tend to be other small businesses not paying, or, or 
is there sort of a bully boy thing where large businesses might might you know not pay as quickly? Well, I mean, I'm sure the problem is right across the business community, but the big problem comes when you know a large business who may be the main or only customer for a particular yes. small business either has really long payment terms, so much longer than 30 days, which would be what we would describe as prompt payment, or alternatively doesn't pay within those 30-day yeah. terms. And that creates a real problem for the small business that's relying on that money. And fundamentally, what do you do about that? It's your biggest customer. Yeah. You know, so there's a power imbalance there, isn't there? A it? huge power imbalance. Yeah. Very hard to sort of um exert your rights in that situation. Um, which is why it's you know, and it it, it does seem to be a peculiarly UK problem and oh, unfortunately okay. is getting slightly worse, actually. So, you know, we're 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 pleased to see that Bayes have launched a review into into payment speeds uh, and cash flow. And I think that's an important opportunity for government to look to go further in making absolutely clear that prompt payment is critical and actually starting to drive some accountability among bigger there corporates. There are some initiatives, aren't there? But they're quite informal. I think I'm thinking of the prompt payment code and, and so on. They're, they're quite informal, I think. They're not sort of mandated as such. They're sort of a uh, Maybe more of um, an ESR, so ESG consideration. Yeah, and there's lots of there's lots of good initiatives out there, but unfortunately, it's not driving positive change at the speed that we think we yeah. need to see it from a member's perspective. There are other things that can be done. I know that one of the things the government's looking at in the context of the procurement bill is an implied term that payment will be within thirty days for public procurement. That will help, undoubtedly. It will help doubly if action is then taken against the bad payers and they aren't given a contract next time by the yes. government. And also, you could make audit committees accountable for reporting on payment speed because actually that would you know, allow investors to see how quickly the companies that they're investing in are paying smaller companies, which might be a sign of just general financial health as mm -hmm. well for that well, company. That's, that's true. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, and in our industry, you know, some some companies use payment data, for instance, as a, as an indicator for for whether they should uh, extend trade credit. So, um, you know, just thinking about banks, you know, is there any, is there anything that the banks can do to to make things easier for SMEs? Sure, absolutely, and we do we go into this in quite a bit of detail in the report. So, at the moment, bank loans aren't seen as a really easy option in terms of getting finance. I was a little bit surprised by this, actually. Yeah. So were we. So were we. Only 37% of small businesses found them easy to apply for. And then when we asked about the reasons for that being a difficult application process, the key ones given were the length of the application. That's the top one. The inability to speak to anyone at times to explain the process. Uh, and the application requiring information that the individual just couldn't access. So the, I think there's a big opportunity here for the banks to look again at their process, look at whether there's sufficient sort of human element in there if 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 someone comes stuck or reaches a dead end, doesn't have the information. And, you know, also make sure they're not asking for disproportionate guarantees or charges when small business owners take out finance. There's a quote in the report about, a you know, a small business owner who's asked to put her home up as collateral for a 5k loan. And, you know, quite understandably, she decided that wasn't a risk no, that she was willing I, to I take. I found that shocking, actually, you know, and, and she'd owned her own home since she was 19. And, uh, and they were sort of saying, well, you know, if you want to access £5,000 of finance, which 
you know, it can be a lot in certain circumstances, but it doesn't seem like you should have to put your, your main residence on the line, no, on the line I, to access that. You know, and you can understand on the one level why that would give the bank additional assurance that the, the yeah. loan is going to be paid back, but it's disproportionate. It just, yeah, and it absolutely. means that they just don't press ahead with it full stop. Yeah. That's and the problem. And then, there's, and then the investment's gone at that point. Exactly. You know, and all of the efficiency and everything that, that comes with that. I mean, um, you had a rev- you had a, a recommendation for the Treasury, I think, in the report on this on this specifically. That's right. So you know, we think there's an opportunity. Obviously, primarily, it's for the banks to look at their own process, but we think the Treasury has a role looking across the whole market and could, you know, every five years review the ease with which borrowers can get finance from the main high street lenders. And this would also give them an opportunity to have a conversation with the lenders about any potential regulatory issues that are causing the processes to be longer than they need to be. So I think that the Treasury does need to be involved and it's always helpful to have government looking at these things periodically. Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing, you know, just, just going moving on slightly is you know anyone anyone with a mortgage knows that interest rates uh, are mm-hmm. on the are on the are on the rise. I mean, you know, we've seen a lot of interest rate rises recently from the Bank of England and obviously retail banks. You know, What's that meant for small businesses and and the cost of getting that finance? Are they are they holding off on taking loans on that basis? I mean, some of them are, yeah. So we, we do ask our members about what interest rates they're being offered if they are successful in applying for finance, and they're reporting at the moment that the average is about seven percent if they've been accepted. But actually, more than a quarter of them are facing rates of eleven percent or more. So obviously, very high interest rates. And and as I say, that's just those who have successfully been been accepted for finance and it makes investments less attractive potentially um but it's not the only thing that's making investment more difficult at the moment actually you've got just the generally rising cost of doing business which is eating away at ability to invest and energy costs which we all have been talking about an awful yeah. lot for the last few months have been in many cases too sharp to pass on to customers at, in full anyway especially at the same time as when those customers' finances are being squeezed themselves, yeah. whether that be domestic customers or indeed other businesses. So what can you do as a business to absorb those increases? Well, you can cancel investments. And unfortunately, there is some of that happening yeah. at the moment. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you, you've highlighted that in, in the report a lot, that kind of cash. You know, at the end of the day, if, if, you're, if you're lacking cash for whatever reason, that's cash that you could be investing. And, you know, and then you need to borrow to invest and it's not. It's not necessarily cost effective to do that. Um, in terms of banking, you know, I've I've heard a lot about challenger banks, the bank referral scheme. Mm-hmm. Is any of that having any any real impact on the ground? Yeah, well, I mean, I should say, although it's probably painfully obvious, I'm not a banking expert, but nor nor should a small business have to be a no, banking expert no. in order to get the finance they need. And so at FSB, we do take the view that more competition in the market is an inherently good thing, should increase the chance of a small business being able to get credit at an affordable rate. And actually, the bank referral scheme, we think, is a really good way in principle of small businesses who have been rejected getting another opportunity mm-hmm. to get finance. But with only nine banks and three alternative lenders in the scheme, we'd like to see it broadened out further so that there are even more options available. Yeah, I mean, you make that point in the report that, you know, in your opinion, Anything that can drive, you know, diversity and more choice will lead to more more efficiency in this market. I mean, that's economic theory, really. But yeah. you've obviously got a conviction behind Let, that. Let's hope well. it plays <laughs> out in practice. I mean, if we go on now to our second theme, which yeah. is all about, you know, small businesses. We've talked a lot about 
get them getting in, them getting uh, finance, but what do they actually want to invest in? And I was really struck in the report that you know the top five investment intentions are all about efficiency, productivity, you know, and that's going to drive and that's going to drive economic growth. So you know, capital expenditure, software, cloud computing, data services, that's kind of a bit like capital expenditure, but for you know service or software software businesses. Yeah. Training schemes, obviously, you know, addressing the skills shortage, green initiatives and decarbonization, R and D product development. I mean, I couldn't really have 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 picked five themes that would drive productivity more than those. So, you know, there's really good reasons, isn't there, for small businesses to want to want to invest. Well that's that's exactly right. And it was you know interesting thinking back to when uh, Rishi Sunak was chancellor uh, and he was talking about capital, people and ideas being key things that drive productivity. And I think you see investment in all of those areas yes, being do, planned yeah, here. Yeah. And I think, you know, he was absolutely right about that. I mean, just on, on R&D, you know, in the report, you, you point out SMEs, they spend more on that than, than large businesses, universities or the government, you know. So, I mean... Just in terms of action from the the Treasury and the Chancellor, you know, where do we stand with tax credits? I know that I know that there was you know recently some review of that in the in the autumn statement. Looking ahead to the budget, I think it's the fifteenth of March. You know, what, where do you think we stand on tax credits? Well, it's, it's it's interesting, and if you look across all of these areas, there's been a lot of change in terms of the government policies that support investment, the investment incentives as it were. And we were really disappointed by the policy changes that we saw announced on the SME R&D tax credit scheme. It's a policy that was working really well. Okay. SMEs were investing lots and it'd been in place long enough that they you know, had good awareness and understood it. And so the decision to row back on the generosity of that scheme, we felt was completely the wrong one, given it had been shown to be effective. And there are other policy changes in the kind of, you know, uh, innovation space, and particularly I'm thinking now innovation adoption, um, which we think could be counterproductive too. So just before Christmas, the government announced a policy called Help to Grow Digital was going to be cancelled. And we thought Help to Grow Digital was a really good idea. We thought with you know the provision of vouchers and a hub of information, it should support small businesses to adopt certain softwares. I think the reason that take-up was low with the scheme was perhaps because it was a relatively limited list of softwares that they provided, but the idea was a good one. So again, that was disappointing. One scheme cancelled because take-up was too high. One scheme cancelled because take-up was too low. And overall, it does make small business investment at a time that's already quite difficult even harder. I mean, it's so frustrating sometimes because you look at these schemes and you look at the costs. And I mean, these days, you, the government, you know, in the, in the context of public finances, one billion is, is almost nothing. <laughs> And 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 actually, obviously, that's not the case for a small business receiving that receiving that support. And you know, in the long term, a lot of these schemes have the have the capacity to to pay for themselves, don't they? You know, I mean, in, increased tax revenues, increased productivity, and and also people just being able to get on with their lives and and fulfil you know what they can reach their potential, basically. Um, just on that on that note, I think you know one thing, one area we, where we really do need to get busy as a society is in mm -hmm. is in green investment. And in the report, you you point out that uh, there's no real lack of desire among small businesses to 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 embrace green initiatives, but they're actually less likely to invest in, in green initiatives. 
Yeah. So, I mean, this is a really interesting and it's such an important area. We did a huge report on this uh, in 2021, actually. And what it, what that showed was that the majority of small businesses believe there's a climate crisis. They are passionate about addressing it and they're taking the actions that they can. But there are some significant barriers in place when it comes to green investments. So for a lot of green investments, the return on investment is minimal and quite long term which is quite difficult, particularly when interest rates are going up. And, you know, you come back again to that point about energy bills. We've heard from some firms whose energy bills have been rising so fast that they've actually unfortunately had to cancel green investments that might have actually lowered their long-term energy bills. Others have managed to do it. So one in six have made energy efficiency improvements as a result of their, their rising bills. But we do think more needs to be done to incentivize and support small businesses who want to do the right thing but might be struggling due to lack of capital to do it and one of the you know one of the things that we've proposed is this idea of a help to green scheme where government could provide contributions towards certain investments that improve a business's energy efficiency or help them generate some energy on site uh, as well as information on how to do that successfully we think that could really stimulate faster investment because at the moment we saw I think it was 22% of small businesses were planning green investments but we'd like that to be higher. You want it to be incentivized right economics is all about incentives and you talk in the report about basically having smart incentives mm-hmm. to encourage businesses to invest in you know what's an extremely important area and as you say in the in the long term actually has the chance to really make the business more cost effective and, and productive better serve its better serve its clients and its, its customers. You did flag up in the report some aspects of, of diversity, so ethnic minority-led businesses, business women. So the Alison Rose Review found that um, a sustained and concerted effort to help women succeed as entrepreneurs could add around £250 billion of new value to the UK economy. But actually, you also had some rather more depressing statistics in your report. Um, so I don't know if you want to want to mention those. Yeah, so you know there are some statistics that that weren't good from a kind of gender perspective. So forty six percent of female would be borrowers didn't seek finance because of expected issues with the loan process, which is nearly double the proportion of men who didn't for that reason. And if you look specifically at mortgages in particular. Overall, there's a fairly low rate of rejection, but the rejection rate is nearly twice as much for women. So I think it's something like 19% rejection rate yeah, for female 10, versus, versus 10. Yeah. So nearly nearly twice as much. And we have recommended in the report that actually the government and the FCA, FCA should work with industry leaders to address those barriers that disproportionately affect women-owned businesses when trying to access certain financial products. It yeah. needs a closer look. Absolutely. Um, so Company Watch, we, we try to be forward looking and, and just looking forward into 2023. You know, what developments are on the horizon for small businesses? Well, it's uh, it's shaping up to be a, a tough year, that's for sure. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about a bit there, but we'll be talking about, I think, a lot more this year is energy, mm-hmm. energy prices. We've seen, we'll see at the end of March, the government's energy bill relief scheme come to an end. Energy bill relief schemes have been fantastic for giving businesses certainty. Gosh, that's going to be a shock for some businesses, isn't it? It will be a huge shock, unfortunately, for some businesses because it's being replaced with a discount scheme that is significantly less helpful from a certainty 
and indeed from a savings perspective, you know, maximum discount you'll get off a kilowatt hour of electricity of two pence or something. Okay. It won't affect business decision making in a, the same positive way that this has. So I think the question is what happens generally to energy prices? Because that will affect that big group of businesses who will either need to fix soon or already on a variable rate. And that's a sort of major uncertainty and something that we'll be looking very, very closely at. We talked about net zero. We have to keep making progress with net zero. And actually, it's it's great that we've just seen Chris Skidmore's review of net zero published with some really sensible recommendations on that. And of course, from a small business perspective, for the last several years, we've seen access to talent being a crucial, both a challenge and an opportunity for them. You know, it's been difficult for a variety of reasons, which are very well known, you know, not least not least the pandemic, uh, to, to make sure that staff are in insufficient numbers. And a lot of people have moved around after, after that as well. Yeah. And that's, I think there's also this interesting phenomenon that's often talked about is the sort of great resignation. People mm. are really re-evaluating re their, their options. And I think that, you know, it's really important that the business invests just to attract the right talent. You know, people want to work for dynamic businesses, businesses for the future, businesses that are growing. And I think I think that you know investment's important from that perspective to retain skills in the businesses or or indeed even in the in the country actually. So well, the, I mean, to totally agree with that. And it's not just limited to training investment, although that's obviously a very important mm -hmm. part of that offer. I do think that's an area actually where small businesses do have an advantage actually because they often have a really clear sense of purpose, really good links in the community and can be a really rewarding place to work for people. So one would hope that small businesses that can keep doing that can better retain their staff and better attract the new ones that they need. Brilliant. I mean, I think that's a really, really good point to finish on. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast Pleasure. today. You've given us such a great insight into what's going on in the, in the credit market. And indeed, you know, very up, very uplifting insight, I think, into where small businesses are looking to invest. I'm sure, you know, small businesses can be incredibly resilient. And I'm sure we'll have plenty of uh, plenty of small businesses on the other side of this of this economic difficulty. So really, it's just to say thank you very much, Paul, for coming on again. And thank you to you at home for listening.